Beautiful, beautiful to recount the word and promises of God and, uh, and really take that John 6 piece that he will raise you up on the last day as a, as a marvelous focus of what God does in and among his people. He, we, we don't just live for the moment, right? We're not just here for here and now. We're, we're here also for that hope of eternal life and being raised up on, on the last day. Grace to you and peace, Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I just want to reread two of those. Verse uh, 51, and then again, I'm going to read the end. Jesus said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live. Holy One of God. There's something deeper going on here than just stuff. Just surfacey, churchy, religious stuff. There's something deeper that goes on here. And this week in our ministry is the biggest week that, I mean, it's like Christmas and Easter all wrapped into one. That's because on Wednesday morning, we're going to put the green flag down and we're going to have 600 and some odd kids in our day school and another 124 in our preschool. We're going to fill this thing up and it's going to go crazy here. If you don't believe me, come about 8.05 on Wednesday morning. It'll be pandemonium out on the streets. There's something deeper than just education. There's something deeper than just church. There's, there's something deeper than you, than just... Well, there's something deeper to you than just your biology. Granted, for some of you, your biology is fantastic. You look good, you feel good, you exercise well, you eat well, you got it all together, and, and, and your biology is, is rocking. You, you look and you say, I feel great, and I look great, and I'm awesome. But there's more to you than looking great and being awesome. There's our psychology. How are you doing psychologically? Well, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of fired up today. I'm kind of... I'm kind of ready to rock today. I'd jump in your lap if I thought it was appropriate. I'm ready to go today. There's our psychology. How do we maintain mental equilibrium? Who are we when we're down? Who are we when we're up? What does it look like in our lives to get up and be motivated and inspired every day? What's your psychology? Are you an optimist, a pessimist? Are you hopeful? Are you struggling? But you're more than your biology and your psychology our text today, Jesus would say, there is your zoe, there's your essence of life. There is who you are when God breathed into you the breath of life and made you unique. There is, there is that piece of you that is wholly fed by the Lord. There's that piece of you that knits biology and psychology and all the aspects of your life together into one integrated life called your zoe life. When Jesus says, I am the bread that comes down from heaven, when he says, I give life, that's the kind of life that he says that he's talking about, about the essence of who you are, about kind of when biologically you're strong and psychologically you're strong, but there's still a dissatisfaction in your soul. Or when you're biologically hurting 
and you psychologically don't have the equilibrium that you're looking for. It's that zoe that says you can make it. It's that zoe that says you are fed on something that's eternal and not just the here and the now. That's the zoe life that Jesus is talking about here to his disciples in John chapter 6. It's a deeper life for us. It's a deeper life than just biology. See, the thing that nurtures and nourishes the hidden life is Jesus Christ, who gave his body, his flesh and blood as the life for the world. There's a deeper life. And honestly, as a congregation, that's what we're all about, is that deeper life. And we do some of the things of biology and some of the things of psychology, but only to, to lead us to that opportunity where we can proclaim Christ, where we can distribute the bread of life in a way that brings zoe, that brings faithfulness and devotion and belief that sustains us throughout the entirety of our life. As Jesus speaks to the crowd, this is what he's speaking of. He says, I am the bread of life, the bread that has come down from heaven. He said, this is it. Jesus is saying, <clears throat> Jesus is saying to his hearers, I am the one who is essential. Without me, you're in trouble. But with me, your soul, your zoe, finds identity and it is fed. But without Jesus, there's no deeper life. I don't know if you think about that stuff, but I think about that all the time. I think about this and, and, and the more I get into the last third of my life, the, the, the last third of, of my biology kind of wearing out, where I say, I, I ate too many cheeseburgers in my former life. I had too many fries animal from in and out. My knees hurt, my back hurts, I'm tired. I don't have the biology that I had when I was 19 years old. I could stay out all night and get up for church and stay out all night and get up for work on Monday morning. It just doesn't work that way at 54. And so as I get older, my biology wears out. As I get older and my psychology gets to be waning here and there where some days I'm really up and other days I'm like, well, I could take or leave this. I think, and I hope you do think and will think about the deeper life that you have. Because we can be biologically straight and psychologically at equilibrium and still be shriveling up inside. Jesus knew that when he spoke these words to these people. And to a degree, that's why this whole piece takes a, 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 an interesting turn in the text. Jesus is the height of the popularity of his ministry. He has done what the Messiah was called to do. We went through that all summer with the Isaiah passages tied in with the Mark passages. The one who came to seek and save the lost was Jesus of Nazareth. And he showed himself to be the Messiah by what he did. He preached in the synagogues. He threw out evil spirits. He healed the sick and the diseased. He did what the Messiah was to do. And, and, and now people are saying, wow, bread of life from heaven. You fed 5,000 plus people on five loaves and two fish. Wow! But then Jesus gets to the end of this text. 
And people say, this is really hard. And we don't, if you give us bread, that's cool, but <laughs> if, 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 if it's going to be this ethereal weird thing, then we're out of here. And so from this sermon on, Jesus' crowd becomes smaller up until Palm Sunday. But on Good Friday, he's basically by himself. And so the crowd defects. And as more and more hear how hard it's going to be and what it's going to be like, more deteriorate. And a huge crowd that would follow him here and there is getting smaller and smaller. And then Jesus turns and looks at the 12. What about you, fellas? What about you? Are you leaving too? That's a great question. Are you leaving too? As we install four new teachers, now is the time to get up and run. If you're, if you're going to go, go now. Because <laughs> come Monday, it's over. It's, it's the flag goes down and we're off and running. What about you? It's not as easy being a Christian in our generation as it was in the previous generation. It's not as easy being a Christian in California and in Southern California as it is in Fargo, North Dakota. It's not as easy being a Christian in the workplace or in the political context of 21st century United States as it was a generation ago. So you're going to leave? Lots of people have. Because it's harder than it was a generation ago. It used to be a badge of honor that you came in your business and you said, I'm a Christian businessman. I'm an honest man. I do my thing. I do my work. I do my job. I do it with integrity. Now the, the, the cake bakers of the world and the artists of the world, you stand on your faith and you have to go to the Supreme Court. And then you come back and are accused for being intolerant again. It's not easy. And so the words of Jesus are powerful words. What about you? You, you bailing out too, fellas? One of the things I like about this week is that unstructured time gives way to routine. Are you ready? How many moms have to get kids ready for school this week? I asked that at 8 o'clock, like two stood up. I mean, this is, I knew it. <laughs> Honestly, I wrote this sermon for this thing at 8 o'clock. It's just kind of like, kids, school, whatever. And you guys are like leaning in. It feels good. It's all different thing. Well, it feels good. I'm going to preach till noon today, but no, I'm not. <laughs> Unstructured, right? Unstructured time gives way to routine. This is what we're going to do this week. And the unstructured time is great for a while. But you're going to go wake those kids up at what time? 6.30, good, Heather, 6.30. And how, how early has Charlotte been getting up? Yeah, 8, 8, yeah, 8, 8.30, 9 o'clock. I remember those days, and I don't want to go back to them, but I remember them. You're going to rouse those kids, and it's like they're dead, like they're Lazarus in the tomb. <gasps> but it's school, you get to go to school, it's going to be great. And the teachers, the teachers will be wanting the kids to get into routine, and the kids are like, hey, wait a minute, this is where we take a nap, double down on potato chips, and go swimming for the afternoon. Now what? 
And it seems maybe that when we go from unstructured to structured, all our biology is whacked. Sleeping rhythms, eating rhythms, what we've done, how we've done it is just out of whack. And it seems when we go from unstructured time to structured time, all of our psychology is whacked. You can't just kind of bump around in your gym shorts and a tank top that says angels on it and flip-flops all day. It's just, there's a deeper equilibrium that comes. And as we figure out our biology and the kids get into the rhythm of sleep and eating, and as moms and dads get back into the rhythm of working out and work and getting here and getting there and doing that, and and as our psychology goes cattywumpus on Wednesday but gets better by, I don't know, Thanksgiving or so, then then you, what about this? What about your Zoe? What about the essential piece of you that's you in Jesus? Because that piece is only nourished by the bread of life, by Christ who came into the world to give his flesh and blood for you and me. There's something bigger in Jesus that feeds your Zoe. Part of that is that in Jesus, we're reminded that God is not angry with us, that God does not wake up every day and say, I'm going to figure out how to stick it to you in a way that'll make you do what I want you to do. That's not our Lord. That's not how he operates. Every morning we look to that cross and are reminded that it is in Jesus that God is not angry with us, but that God beholds us in love. And every morning God wakes up, if God wakes up and says, I wonder how I'm going to love on my people today. And I wonder when their biology is down, what kind of healing can I bring? And I wonder when they're psychologically down, how I can help them and inspire them. Because our God loves us. And the mark of that love is Jesus on the cross for you and me. And he beholds us in love and he beholds us in grace. Not a cheap, sappy grace that is, you know, I, I can do whatever I want to do and then just Jesus has to forgive me because that is, that is just trash. But the grace that we hold and the grace that we proclaim as a congregation comes from John chapter 6. It's Jesus who gives his life to bring peace with God for you and me. And in that, he forgives our sins. He removes our guilt and he covers our shame. And you want to talk about your soul being refreshed. Or behold, beheld in love and in the grace of the Lord and in community. The richest part of our church is the community that we share. And we share it in different packs. I love, I love when we have the, uh, the, the all staff retreat. Because this is the closest I've been to preschool teachers in, I mean, like a year. Because you guys always sit in the back wherever we have. It's awesome. And the middle school teachers sit here and Trevor's team here and they all kind of sit together. But God gives us community to encourage and love one another. That when I'm strong and you're weak, I can strengthen you. When I'm weak and you're strong, you can strengthen and encourage me. But all of that comes out of this rich Zoe. Jesus says, I have come to give my life for the life of the world. So this is what we do, and this is what we're getting after. We want kids who are biologically strong. We want strong, robust kids 
So we have ministries that provide that. Our PE teacher is, uh, uh, if you compete with her for steps, you just go nuts. She's in it 25 to 40,000 steps a day. Unreal. We've got after-school sports programs where the focus is not necessarily on winning, although we got a lot of first-place trophies, but it's on kids being biologically strong, being able to do the simple things of biology, run and catch and throw, and be in some semblance of physical shape and physical fitness. We also want our students to be intellectually strong. That's why I had to laugh when I saw Clement's name on the, having won the, uh, the, the, the school spelling bee. And I watch who wins the Luther Awards and who gets this and who gets that. Because we want our kids from St. John's to be intellectually strong. They can pass their tests. They can get into high schools and colleges and be the best that they can be. We want them to be relationally strong and be able to dial into relationships with other people. Not always having to take from other people, but also being able to give. To be people who are generous with their heart and with their soul. And the last piece of that is being Zoe strong. You see, many schools throughout the nation can create biologically, intellectually, and relationally strong kids. But without Jesus, you miss the Zoe. If we do everything we do, as well as we can do it and miss the Zoe strong, then our kids struggle. And when they struggle biologically, they won't know where to go. And when they struggle intellectually, they won't know where to go. And when they're alone and they struggle relationally, they won't know where to go. But if they are Zoe strong in the essence of who they are through faith in Jesus Christ, they'll be difference makers in the world. They'll be the best parents, the best workers, the best servants, the best churchmen, the best witnesses. So all of those work together, tied into one integrated human being. I'd love to tell you it's all real easy. It'll all just roll out. It's going to be easier to get your third grader up for bed on Wednesday morning than it is to put a focus on the soul. Because our culture doesn't value that right now. We value working out, being smart, being popular. All of which are minimal goals in the kingdom of God. So again, if you're going to leave, now's the time. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. But the disciples turned towards Jesus. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Would you read that with me, please? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. That should be the mission statement of every faculty and staff person at St. John's. And on those days where you're biologically tired and worn out, 
when you have answered 400 emails from the same parent who thinks their child is perfect? You laugh. <laughs> and that's the staff. <laughs> On those days where you sent your own children to school crying and yet you had to stand up in front of 27 kindergartners. These words are powerful. Lord, I just give it up right now. And then in the back of your mind rings these promise of God. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, our whole ministry is focused on turning toward the Lord Jesus. It's your anthem. It's my message. It's pastor's prayers. It's your classroom. It's the people who God has brought here for us to turn into the Lord Jesus and find a richness in that zoe, in that life of faith that leads us to be an integrated whole and an army for the Lord Jesus Christ for the purpose of. So that our own community, so every child in preschool, so every new kindergarten family, so every crusty eighth grader who already has it all figured out, so that all of them will turn towards Jesus and believe in him and find life in his name. If we're biologically straight and psychologically straight and have it all figured out, that's good. Your kids will be okay. But when we integrate that Zoe life with the whole piece, then children are not just fed, but satisfied with the very best from the hand of the Lord. Amen.